Hey, Jill Herman, host of BU Podcast. Happy to be with you again. So I hope you've been enjoying this four-week series on health and wellness. I hope you've learned a lot. Well, I know you've learned a lot. I know that the people we had on this podcast over the past few weeks have shared information that you just don't hear and see everywhere. And they're just also great humans. And so I thank all of them. I'm so grateful to them. They poured so much into me and to you over the last few weeks. And we are not finished with the series. This is the last week. And our focus is pain management, healing, and better results after surgery with something called photobiomodulation. Another way of saying laser therapy. So our speaker today, our guest today is Alan Day. Ellen left corporate sales several years ago to start Elite Laser Austin, a laser therapy clinic in Austin, Texas, exclusively dedicated to helping people heal faster. Having worked in the pharmaceutical industry for many years, she had the opportunity to observe clinical medicine in all types of specialties. She noticed a distinct lack of focus on healing root causes, no surprise, a lack of answers for patients who had questions about how they could optimize their healing, and a hard push towards pharmaceuticals and surgery for pain and inflammatory conditions that could have benefited from alternative modalities of healing, including laser therapy. Something Ellen is so passionate about is facilitating healing and better outcomes for people who have sadly come to the conclusion that they would just have to live with their pain. Laser therapy is quickly emerging as one of the most reliable and powerful ways to heal the body. And Ellen Day is thrilled to be able to help more people experience this miracle every day. There is nothing more inspiring than a woman being unapologetically herself. The answers are all in your heart. She's waiting, she's waiting, she's waiting for you to set her free. Welcome to BU Podcast. I'm Jill Herman, and I am so glad you're here. I was broke, insecure, and craved approval. But with grit, hustle, and sacrifice, I still built a successful multi-million dollar business. Ten years in, burnout, I slowed down and looked inward. In that silence, I discovered that the same level of success could have come to me with much less effort and so much more joy. That's when I threw out the expectations of the world and chose to unbecome every single thing I thought I was supposed to be. And the real me was uncaged. It was far from easy. And in this podcast, I'll offer my entire journey as a roadmap so that if you're ready, you can finally be you. Okay, welcome the Ellen Day to be you podcast. I'm really, really happy that you're here. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I've been wanting to do this as long as I've known you. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. So (laughs) the quick background is that I had promised myself and the listeners that I was going to really focus, you know, one of the pillars of this podcast was going to be on alternative healing and health and wellness and biohacking. And I had a big aha a few weeks ago that the reason I haven't done that is because I've been neglecting that part of my life. And so I was, it was genuinely a a subconscious block. It wasn't intentional, but I've gone this whole last year, this whole last season, not talking about anything related to that. 
So I decided to have a four-week series starting off 2024, and I couldn't think of anyone better to be a part of that than you. I love what you do. I love that it's different, um, super impactful. Most people have no idea what it is. So let's start there. Tell everybody you know, what you do, how did you get into this interesting career you have, and why do we deserve to know about it? Well, those are all great questions. So first of all, I just want to say like, you always are just where you are. And so the fact that you weren't paying attention to that in your own life, great. (laughs) It's a great reason to not talk about it if you're not in it yourself. (laughs) That makes sense. So I chose this career for laser therapy, sort of by default. I'm a big fan of letting the yeses be easy and the next right step emerge. And so then and then taking it the next right step and the next right step. And that kind of just happened with laser therapy. I was a pharmaceutical rep for many years, um, specializing in pain management. So I was working in pain management clinics and orthopedists offices, podiatry offices, neurologists. So people who deal with pain every day. And one of the things that I just kept noticing was that these doctors are really limited in what they do and how they help their their patients. Like they have medicines and they have surgery. And then for alternative therapies, if you're talking about, you know, alternative wellness, there's not a lot. There might be PT that they recommend, but they don't really go in for or research a lot of alternative modalities of healing. And that's not necessarily their purview, right? These doctors are super busy. If you are a really good surgeon who whose book is full and you're booked out for months at a time, it's because you're a really good surgeon. That doesn't necessarily mean you have a lot of time to spend with your patients on the healing part after. You know, they have you have like post-operative follow-ups that like your mid-levels, your nurse practitioners or your your PAs will see you often in the offices, but most of the time they're really good at what they do because they're in the OR doing surgery. And then for pain management, the biggest thing that that those doctors focus on is just alleviating symptoms. How can we get your pain levels down enough where you can function and live your life? That's not necessarily their specialty to like get into the root causes. You know, you and I both really share a lot of the same viewpoints about like root causes. You know, how can we find out why this is happening to my body? I have a ton of inflammation, a ton of pain. Why is this happening? If you if you are to the point where you're in so much pain that you're going to a pain specialist, they're just giving you enough. They're trying to figure out what the right combination of medicines or surgeries or procedures is to get your level to where you can live your life without being at a 10 or an eight every single day. So I was already super aware of like, and I was selling products too <laughs> that helped ameliorate ameliorate these symptoms, right? So I had really great NSAIDs that some of them were alternatives to opioids, which was helpful. But I just intuitively knew like there are other things out there. And so I got a call divinely orchestrated, I'm sure. I got a call from a woman. I was in between doctor's offices doing my rounds. I got a call from a woman named Lois. <laughs> I have no idea where I met Lois. I didn't remember meeting Lois. Uh, she said that we'd met a couple of years before at like a meet and greet or a lunch and learn or something, you know. But she said, well, um, I was thinking about you. So I wanted to give you a call because I just got off the phone with this 
laser manufacturer for this thing called laser therapy. And they were looking for sales reps to open up their central Texas market. And I gave them your name because I think you'd be perfect for it. Ah, no way. (laughs) I did not remember this woman. (laughs) God love Lois. Lois, God bless her. So she said, I was like, I don't know what that is, but I'm interested. And so she said, I'm going up to Dallas on Saturday to do a training like at the corporate headquarters. You want to meet me up there? And I didn't have anything on. So I said, yes. I think that was really the key that I said, yes. So I went up to Dallas, had my very first introduction to laser therapy, specifically for the machine that I use called, it's called a Phoenix Therolase. It's a class four laser therapy medical device. And, um, was just really blown away by everything that it could do and and uh, how it can help people. And then I took several months to really research it and see, you know, just find out more. And so I really dug into like clinical studies online that I could find. And I started interviewing doctors that I was talking to. Um, the doctors didn't know a lot about it. Some of them did, but but most didn't. And anyway, I was getting really frustrated with the how slow the sales cycle was. I was like, yeah, sure. I'll try and sell these. I am a person who likes to operate with integrity as much as I can. So I didn't feel comfortable talking to my doctors and using their relationships while I was being paid by my company to be there to talk to them about the products I was repping. So I really had a hard time, you know, fitting in the conversations. So I didn't do anything really with it for a while. But I kept seeing all these patients that I knew that it would help with these conditions and patient types that I knew that it could help. So I just skipped as an entrepreneur straight to step 27 instead of step two. And I bought a machine for myself. Of course you did. Which which was a very large investment. Um, My machine cost $135,000. So... Oh my gosh. It's like, this makes sense. (laughs) It's like a Porsche that you cannot drive. Yeah, that's right. So anyway, and then I just I found a place and opened up clinic part time. So Whoa. it was interesting. It was a fascinating way to start. Wait, before we go on, let's talk about that because you're sharing that's your story. You're so used to it, right? But let's just stop for a moment and just think about, especially with what we talk about on this podcast, you know, about really following your true north and and not hesitating right? It's okay if we hesitate. But the fact that you went all in and you didn't just bet on that machine, you bet on you. And you bet on your intuition. You bet on that whatever was pulling you towards that. I mean, that's a huge gamble, but it's just, I love it. It's so exciting that you did that. (laughs) So were you already like that in other areas of your life? Or Or was this the first time you really were like, you know, I'm going left now, hard left. I think I've probably been like that a lot. All those specific examples, I can't necessarily tell you. Although, I don't know, I, I got married really young to a guy that I was like, he's the one, you know, we're divorced now, but it was married. We were married for 15 years and he was definitely an integral part of my journey. So that yes was a yes. And it was supposed to be a yes. Yeah, I forget that part. And and then the times when business is hard or business is slow or, you know, all the, as an entrepreneur, I, I know you appreciate this and, you know, <laughs> there are times when you question your sanity and you're like, what did I do? <laughs> Why am I here? 
but I thank you for that reminder about like my true north. And it was a yes. I just I keep returning back to it mostly because my clients' stories are so remarkable and like how much it helps them. Like it just makes it so worth it. Well, the part I think is really cool, Alan, is that you were already helping people. People can feel however they feel about medication, but there are times for medication, right? You were already helping people who were in pain and you, I know were paid well. I don't know if you know, I used to work in orthopedics as a nurse. I know you were paid well. And so I'm sure things were great. And so for you, I always have said, that's not true. I haven't always said. I heard somewhere and then I stole it and I repeated it, the saying of leaving something that's good to go to something that might be great, but could be awful is is one of the most courageous things you can do. Okay, I did make that up, what I just said. But basically that idea, I heard someone share it once and I was like, oh, that's interesting. Going Leaving something that's bad or hard to something that might be better is what we focus on. But when something's already pretty good, leaving is very difficult. And for you to walk away from something was really darn good. You had all these great relationships with these surgeons. To do something different is, it's, something to celebrate. Well, thank you for that. And I will say that was another thing that it was a decision that was just made for me. I was our entire company, our entire sales force was laid off um, December 18th of 2020. After you bought the machine? After I bought the machine. So I already oh had the machine. My. I already had clinic going like part time, you know, so it was doing like I had patients here and there, clients here and there, like it was my doctors knew that I was doing this on the side. And then 2020 came around. I had survived two layoffs that year. And then, but I was, I was like president's club, you know, so I was like already like top 10. I didn't, I, I never was nervous about my job. Um, and actually they were asking me if I wanted to go be like manager, a Louisiana district or national sales trainer in the Pennsylvania office, the headquarters. So I wasn't nervous about that. And then when it came time to, oh, this is happening. And it's not just a select few, it is the entire team. So I felt I was so grateful on December 18th, 2020, when I we knew these conversations were happening, you know, because it's like a, a dark cloud that settles it, and that people are like texting each other and calling each other. Did you, oh my gosh, did you hear? Did you get the phone call yet? And, and I, so I knew that my manager was having to lay off his entire team the same day that he himself was laid off. Mm. So I had so much empathy. I was so grateful for like, at that point, the eight previous years that I'd done of like, coaching and mentorship and work, you know, like the work in quotation marks, because I was just filled with this like, massive amount of empathy for my boss having to have these hard conversations the same day that he also lost his job. You're referring to the inner work. Personal yeah, growth. The inner work. Yeah. Yeah. The inner work. You had committed to that, which allowed you to receive the whole experience differently. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. It was a totally, I had just had this whole perspective shift on, on like life in general. And then, especially when moments like that popped up, it was just getting to view them through a totally different lens. It's just such a gift. I'm so grateful. I did not feel nervous at all that day. I was actually excited about it because I just knew. I just, I, knew that my provision would come in whatever form that it did. I had already been talking to my mentor about retiring from my job in September. So I was like, cool, I just moved it up like nine months faster. Like, okay, 
I'll say yes to that. And so that that day, I was actually just really filled with gratitude for my experiences. I have trophies from my sales awards. I'll always have that, you know, to put on a resume if I ever need it again. It was a really great place to be. And I was also like really grateful to have the decision made for me to just, it was like, I'd already told, I'd already made my wishes known of like, okay, at some point I want to be out on my own and like doing this full time. And the universe was just like, boop, here you go. (laughs) And so that was an easy yes. Mostly because I didn't have to make it myself. It was made for me. Before we even get into, because we're going to talk about some really interesting stuff here, but I didn't expect this part of the conversation, which is why I'm, I'm so excited about it. I wonder, I wonder why Lois called you. I mean, like, why do you think you? Because you weren't restless. You weren't unhappy. You weren't feeling like you were ready to retire yet. Like, isn't it? It doesn't matter why, but, but she did. And I wonder why do you think you actually answered quote unquote the call? It was a literal call, but the call. It's like the universe said, okay, Lois, call Alan and see what she says. And you could have said no. And then it would have gone to someone else. Why do you think looking back that happened? I had been wanting more. You know, I love entrepreneurship. I think it's so much fun. I'm not as skilled at it as other women, (laughs) for sure. But I can come up with 10 business ideas for somebody if they have a product or a service. Easy. I can tell them how to market it. I can tell them who their targets need to be. I can tell them how to approach it. I can do model sales calls for those people. Like, I am good at that. So I get excited about expansion. And so I'd already been feeling like I wanted to do more. And that actually had taken the form of me being in the early stages of starting a small regional airline. Oh, by the way. (laughs) Casual. And my aviation partner had had a huge implosion inside one of his businesses that he had to sort of like bow out and pay attention to. And so that kind of left me like twiddling my thumbs for a little bit. And I don't know, maybe I was a little restless. I don't know. I I was like set on the airline. I like I we'd already done pro formas. We had a CFO. It was like gonna happen. And I mean, I guess apparently not because it hasn't yet. But anyway, then his name is Roman. Roman had to had to step back and then I just had all this energy. Just like simmering all of a sudden. Yeah. And I don't know if the universe was just like, all right, well, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were putting the vibes out. Yeah. Right. But it took me on a totally different path. And I often think sometimes, you know, what my life would be like if five years ago, you know, that the airline had happened instead of this or like, you know, I wouldn't be a clinician right now for sure. Like I wouldn't own... Maybe. I don't know. I I probably wouldn't own a clinic. I might have just like bought the machines and then rented them out. Who knows? Mm-hmm, you know? But mm-hmm. anyway, but I was ready for more and then the universe gave me this to consider. And I it was an easy And I love that you said you were ready for more. Because there's such as you know, there's such a an enormous distinction between desiring more and being ready for more. Because we can desire, oh, I'd love to do this. I'd love to do that. I'd love to not be at this nine to five selling pharmaceuticals anymore. It'd be nice to do this. I could do this. And you daydream about it and you think about it. And that does put some vibes out there. But my opinion is that when you are ready for more 
and you feel it in you, it doesn't matter what the more is. It doesn't matter if it's an, an airline or if it's owning a clinic. It's I'm ready for what you just said, expansion. You said I loved expansion. And so God, the universe, whatever word people want to insert was like, okay, we're going to respond. She wants to expand, but she's ready to expand, which is more important. And so we're going to let her expand. And this is the way you've expanded. And I have a suspicion that this is just one part of your journey and you're going to pivot again and pivot again and pivot again. But it's something to celebrate, but also point out because we do have people listening who would never have the courage to get themselves ready to expand and be ready for more. They will be stuck in the cycle of, I wish I had more. I wish I had more. I wish things were different. But you said you were committed to inner work. Maybe let's just talk about that for a minute. What kind of inner work? Like what were you doing? How were you looking at yourself? Where did that come from? Yeah. So my ex-husband and I had come across this guy named Brandon Hawk. Shout out Brandon. He's wonderful. I love him. We went to this our friend Shay had invited us to this like conference, I guess. Like it was kind of a conference, but it was like a dude, you know, on stage at a hotel in Dallas, like talking to 50 people with his headset. No, <laughs> I think he had a lapel mic actually. <laughs> and so we loved our friend Shay. He's one of those people made out of pure gold and like whatever he recommends. It's just one of those people you're like, okay, yeah, I'll, yeah, you say that it's good, I'll do it. And that doesn't happen with everybody, as you know, but Shay was one of those. And so we went and I had my mind completely open to a whole other way of existing. Like, oh, my feelings matter. And, oh, performative love isn't actually love. You know, like there are way, like I've been performing my whole life in order to get what I want. And like, what? That I can, I can stop doing that? What do you mean I have a choice? Like it was, all of this, like in a whole weekend, like three days or whatever in Dallas, my mind was completely blown. And then we decided to like buy a coaching package with this guy for a year. And he let us split the sessions. So it was like every other week, you know, was my call. And so we had our, our own totally separate work that we were doing. Like my work was completely different from Chad's work. Chad's my husband. And you know, things we were working on, Brandon, it was just, it was just astonishing. And so that really started, ooh, those first few years were so messy. <laughs> like the family dynamics that you start interrupting and then like the consequences and backlash of that. And then, you know, then that those ripple out into your friend circles and your professional world. And like, you're starting to set boundaries and break unspoken agreements that you've had with people that don't act actually work for you anymore. They actually never worked for you, but like they really don't anymore now that you know what's the what the foundation is built upon. And we had, I mean, it was when we finally left Corpus Christi, which is where we lived for the first few years of that, like we were like looking in our rearview mirror and it was like the whole city was on fire. You know? <laughs> and it's in our rear view like bye. You know, we're just driving And the city away. was your life. <laughs> It was my life. Our friendships, our businesses, yeah. like all of it. We were just, it was like napalm, like just a huge explosion. And so it was interesting because even that decision of like moving to Austin at that time, there is a difference between running from something and running to something. And we 
made the decision. Again, the yeses. Once I tapped into my intuition, I always knew that I was intuitive, but I never gave it the credit that it deserved. So then I was just mostly living from intuition. If something didn't feel right, I would just say no. And so we'd already lived all over Texas, and but we hadn't lived in Austin yet. And we made a list. We We reached a really critical moment with our friendship groups one night. It was like my... I'd also decided to to go down this path of like radical honesty. And so I went to a retreat in Panama, this radical honesty retreat. And then I brought back that whole like credo into my life in Corpus, which again was like another layer of uncomfortability for everybody around. Me. It's just, it was so hilarious, Jill. But anyway, so my... Oh, I've been there. I like the old Ellen. Who is this? <laughs> Well, this is actually Ellen. She's a little messy, but like yeah. all the things I'm saying, like I've actually thought for the whole time, I was just being polite, Ellen, which I can do very well, you know. Good girl. But, um, yeah. So that we had a, a really critical moment with our friend group uh, where my desire for honesty and like real connection with my friends it all came to a head and then we just decided to leave because it wasn't, we were fighting so hard for a life that like, wasn't feeling like way we wanted to. And we were doing everything. It had been like years. We lived in that city for years. We'd joined all the committees and we're going to make change and we're going to do all this. And that was before we even started doing the inner work. And then once we started doing the inner work, it was like, it was too much. The town is, it's a, kind of a small town feel and sort of older ways of existing in it. And you have to sort of play by the rules or you're sort of cast out of society. And it was like, it felt like clothes that were too tight. And it just, you know, we were busting out of the seams metaphorically and we just couldn't, it was an untenable situation. So we were like, where could we go that feels as spacious and as high frequency and as fast moving as we want to be like we could just jump into the current of a city that already feels like this without having people be like whoa buddy what are you doing you know and and actually get to experience flow with people who already understand larger concepts and who are living that way and trying to to you know assimilate their lives to larger concepts and Austin was the clear winner. We knew we wanted to stay in Texas. We're both from Texas, but Austin was it. And I'm telling you, within four days, we had packed completely, stored our stuff in a trailer on the road. Like it was so fast. I'm not surprised. I know. So, and then once I got here, it was and decided to jump into the working world. Like it was really easy you know, sales, you can do sales anywhere. So then it was like sales and tech and then big pharma when before I had done it in oil and gas mostly. And it was great. But that was a, it was an easy yes for Austin because we both been to all the, we we lived in Dallas, we lived in Houston. I had my own territories with San Antonio. So I knew that that was a no for me, but Austin just felt like a fit. And it was, it just, it really was, especially for me. And and as you know, when you start living that way where you're you, like your compass really is your compass and no one else's and not the compass from the old version of you, et cetera. It is easy to make big yeses and big no's very quickly. And if Austin hadn't been for you, you would not have regretted it. You would just pivot again. 
Like that's just how you live. That's how I live too. And this is what I talk about a lot on the show. So I'm glad we actually visited this area. So, okay, this makes the story so much richer and, and deeper now that we get to, okay, now you own this clinic, you've got this $123,000 machine, you were thinking about doing more and saying, I'm ready for more, I'm ready to expand. You saw that what you were doing with these surgeons was super helpful, but it wasn't really getting to the root cause. This lowest angel randomly calls you and says, hey, I've heard about this, you know? And so then then your company says, guess what? We're laying even the superstar salesperson you off. And you're like, no problem. So you're released from that and you move into your own clinic. And what did you discover that even at that point, you didn't know how good it was? Like, what did you discover when you started seeing over and over again what this was doing for people? And let's let's talk about what it what is it? Like explain how this helps people. And even if someone never has this experience, why do they need to know about it? So one of the things that I didn't know about laser therapy, oh, oh my gosh, you asked the right question. I'm getting emotional. I didn't know how much hope it was going to get people. Like people who've been in so much pain, who'd seen specialists and had no answers you know, people who didn't want to have surgeries, if surgery was the only, you know, option that their surgeons were giving them, or people who didn't want to look at a lifetime of medication, being able to have an alternative modality of therapy that actually helps heal their body. They didn't know about it before. And then somehow a friend or their chiropractor or their PT or like whomever or an Instagram post or an email like introduces them to this concept. And then they were brave enough to say, yes, I had a guy in my clinic this morning. He got an email from the chiropractor whose clinic I'm now in. And he'd never heard of laser therapy, but he has knee, low back and really acute tendonitis, like golfer's elbow that are making his life hard. He's done all the PTs. He doesn't, he was just like, I'll try anything. And he said yes to an email that he got, which I like blows my mind. And then we had this great session this morning. He had such bad inflammation in his elbows. It was it was visibly swollen, like a little orange underneath his his elbow. And then by the end of the 15-minute session, he's like, whoa, that looks like a normal... What? <laughs> it was so astonishing. And so stories like that, I just love it. Like Women who have had plastic surgeries, multiple surgeries, C-sections, and then tummy tucks, and then tummy tucks gone wrong, and then have to have revision tummy tucks. And, you know, all these things, they have scar tissue, and it hurts, and it pulls, and it's tight, and it feels constricting, and they just have lived with it for years. And then sessions with laser therapy, and it's more pliable. They don't have the pain anymore, the neuropathy around that. They have more feeling on their skin. It's not numb anymore. Like the thing that I didn't know was really how impactful it was going to be. I mean, older people with arthritis or severe low back pain were texting me after and saying, I haven't slept a full night pain-free in more than a decade. Mm -hmm. I take it for granted because I'm not there with my body yet. And I'm so grateful that I have this thing. And now I just want to tell everybody about it because it's so powerful and it really can heal people's bodies. Like that's the mechanism of action is to 
have the photons of light, which we all learned about photons in like fifth grade science that like, you know, not that we can recall it. And I was going to say, none of us remember. To. None of us remember and we're not supposed to. But the individual photons of light will penetrate cells that aren't working well and energize the cell to regenerate and heal. It's very rare that you come across a modality that is that non-invasive. I'm shining a laser beam over their, you know, low back or their knee or their C-section scar or whatever, but like it feels really good. It's non-invasive. And like, how often do you come across something like that, that is actually healing your body and all you have to do is lie there and feel warmth? Oh my gosh. Two things that just came to me that I would like to dive into. The first is, you know, you suddenly became very emotional. I mean, I can see you on camera. They can't. You had tears. You even said, I'm getting emotional. And to me, the answer that came to me as you were talking is, that's why Lois called. Right? You are an intelligent person who is going to be successful no matter what. You said you you signed up for expansion. You felt ready for more. You could have done any business, the aviation business, anything. And you're going to get all those things. But you wouldn't have gotten what you just got that got you to cry just now. Because you can have a smart business, be an amazing entrepreneur, and make a difference in people's lives and make great money and all that, but not have it touch your heart like this. And so it feels to me like what you didn't know you were signing up for was this part. You you knew intellectually, wow, this is checking some boxes I didn't even know needed to be checked or could be even on the list. Pretty interesting. This is great. I could sell the shit out of this. I love this. This will be rewarding. I can work for myself. Everything makes a lot of sense. But the part you didn't know you were going to get was, oh my God, I am changing people's lives. And that's not something everyone needs to sign up for or gets to or is on this planet for, and that's okay. But you were. And so it's really more of a calling and a mission than a business. And that's because you are so passionate about it. Like when you, I follow you on Instagram and when you talk about it, it's obvious that you really, really believe in this work that you're doing not just in the machine, you know, in, in, I love that. So there's that, uh, that's the lowest factor. And then the other thing I thought of is, so I had, as you know, cause we're friends and we were texting, I had my very first women's circle at my house, um, last weekend. And as you know, I was nervous to do it. I've hosted all kinds of things and I used to speak and all this stuff. This was very different. And so I was nervous about it. But one thing that came to me when I was speaking with them and when I was getting ready for the event is I felt very called to have honey on my altar. And I remember being in a ceremony myself with someone in Mexico. And she said, which reminds me of what you just said, by the way, about the the laser therapy, okay? That we forget how powerful sweetness is when it comes to healing. Like you can do all these plant medicines and you can have all these big, powerful awakenings and, you know, but sometimes the most powerful healing is, is just in the little incremental steps and in the sweetness. And so that's why honey is so, so healing. It is just as healing as something that's what is more, I, I don't want to say powerful because it's not more powerful than honey. But we perceive that other things like certain plant medicines or experiences, even even like ice baths and like some things that might be a little more masculine are more potent and more powerful when really just a little bit of honey on your tongue can be 
just as powerful. It's just more nuanced. And it reminded me of that when you're talking about the red light, uh, laser light, because you said, how often does it happen that something heals to this level and it's not invasive? The person just lays there and doesn't have to do anything. And I'm not even really touching their skin. I immediately thought of honey. Yeah, it's a great comparison. And I think you use the word gentle in that. And, you know, my partner is a somatic, a trauma and somatics expert, and he teaches practitioners to be trauma informed. He has an online education company that he does that with. I've been through his training, so I'm technically a trauma informed practitioner. So I can, I am not equipped to work with people on their trauma, but I can help walk with them if they get activated and with their triggers if they happen. So one of the biggest things that I've learned through that education about, you know, our nervous system and they have people have something called a window of tolerance. And so the great thing about laser therapy is that it can be as powerful and masculine as I need it to be. And believe me, when I'm working on like NFL athletes who are bigger than, you know, an oak tree, <laughs> like it, the power part of that, the power side of that is super important and very valid. But when I have a woman who has recently been through a traumatic birth and an emergency C-section, that's not what we're doing. And I am able to adjust my machine to, to be a more gentle introduction of energy into her body. She needs gentleness and safety. And so my machine can be both of those. And what's more important is the distinction that I am able to make when those two very different patients are on my table. And so that is an intuitive thing that, you know, when it comes time to hiring people and expanding, maybe getting more machines, all that, like, I'm a little nervous about it. Like, how do I, how do I teach that in somebody? I would have to find people who are um, intuitively geared and can, uh, you know, tap into what that person needs instead of just setting, you know, programming settings into a machine. So that is a gift that I have. And but the machine also allows me to ride the wave of whatever the capacity of my client is, you know, those, those different patient types that I see who walk in through my doors, I'm able to do both. And, you know, with the women, and it is men too, older people too, they need, they need gentleness and softness and all that. But especially with the women that I see come through my clinic, for whatever reason, if it's after a plastic surgery, or an emergency abdominal surgery, or after a C-section, or even, even just a vaginal birth, you know, I, I do postnatal work too, on women who haven't had C-sections, who've just had vaginal, you know, vaginal deliveries, and their womb space needs a lot of support. And my machine is such that like, even if it's on a gentle setting, it's still penetrating deeply enough to work, but it's doing it in a soft way. And so that is very helpful to women in that space. Yeah. So I love that you use that word gentleness because it immediately brings to mind all of those people who come to me and don't just need like a ramrod of power from a machine. You know, they need somebody who can be with them wherever they are. And I think that's the biggest part about healing anybody in any capacity, whether you're a coach, 
or a hairdresser or who also is a therapist, mostly, you know, a therapist, a doctor, like be with your people where they are, because it isn't about me as a practitioner. It is only about them and their experience and how I can help them. And if I am not tuning myself to match them, they are not going to get the benefit. They are they are not going to feel held and supported, which is the entire reason that I have this tool. Mm-hmm. What do you think about this? I find this in general, tell me if it applies with what you do, that, and I this surprised me, but what I have found is that like the bigger healing experiences, the bigger awakenings, the bigger ahas, the bigger transformations are amazing. And I have found for me, and I think it, probably is true for a lot of people, that that isn't super sustainable. And the little incremental, and I would say gentler openings, right? Where you feel like, I I had that breathwork session, but honestly, it didn't seem like a lot happened. It feels like that's way more easily to integrate, more, it's, it's a lot easier to integrate. And it seems like that's more sustainable to have those those more nuanced changes. And I have noticed for myself over the last year, the work I've done just this last year has been more about the nuanced, tiny little openings. And so I, I feel like they integrate really, really, really fast. And the integration is super easy. And I can be ready for more faster. It feels like it might apply to what you're doing too. Totally. Yeah. So... My first thought is something that I say to my clients all the time, which is healing is never linear and it is always cumulative. So in healing, whether you're doing inner work, like the inner healing on yourself, your soul, your heart, whatever it is, um, or if it's healing your body, like there are probably going to be regressions at some point. You know, there might be like more swelling at the end of a therapy or less or like tenderness as a result of the therapy, like whatever it is, it isn't going to be just a straight line from A to B. And it is always cumulative. So your point about like the smaller integrations, like that's why you do ses- multiple sessions of PT is because you get strong, a little stronger, a little stronger, a little stronger. That's why we do often for things that are acute or um, have been going on for a while, we'll do multiple sessions of laser therapy because your body has to integrate that energy, that light energy, figure out how to use it, and then let the cells take it and convert it into the right kind of energy. Like they they do it with the first session, but it gets faster each time. Mm. And so I think that's a really important point. Like everybody just wants the wham, bam, magic cure all fix it and that isn't how the body works and that also isn't how how our nervous system works either right right so before we we talk about and i'm actually excited to talk about like the technical part like what exactly are you doing how does it work okay so before we get into that i want to ask you something i think it'd be very interesting because you talked about I also am trauma informed. Like I'm not a therapist. I'm not going to dig into your trauma with you, but I, I understand nervous system regulation and dysregulation. I can hold space with somebody as they move through that stuff. And I've learned our body isn't just keeping the score, right? But that our scars hold a lot of emotion. And so when you talked about, you know, I can be there if things come up, let's talk about that. What kind of things have you seen? And explain to the listener, how in the world would a scar from, you know, any surgery 
hold on to emotion? How does that work? And what does it look like when it's released? Well, the more technical aspects of how scars hold memory, I'm not necessarily trained or familiar with, but I do know the basics of there is there are ties, you know, our fascia, how we heal after an injury, whether it be trauma induced or surgically induced, our fascia will bind things in place and make it really hard for movement afterwards. So you know, I love that you said our body keeps the score up. It's such a great book, but it depends on where it is. It depends on the state you were in when you had it. It depends on how your body integrated the trauma afterwards. You know, some people can have surgeries, major surgeries, and then like kind of just walk on out of there. And for whatever reason, it doesn't like stick in their system. And then other people might have a harder time and be more easily triggered and dysregulated as a result of those scars or that that the living memory right because trauma trauma is the living memory of what happened that your your body holds on to your cells hold on to so an- anesthesia is a big one when we're put under anesthesia that is literally a freeze state that we are forced into not necessarily and we don't often have the mental capacity to like process that as it's happening you know, the doctors will like, the nurses will like count down as they like squeeze the syringe like into your thing. Okay, think of something nice. We're going to count down from 10, you know. But then you're frozen for hours sometimes. And then they're doing all things, all kinds of things to your body that then you're, it's, it's traumatic. And then you come out of it and you're all sewn up. And you're just expected to go on your merry way. But how violent they were with you. And I say violent because that might be a really strong word in this context, but I'm sure a lot of us have seen the videos of the plastic surgery, you know, the way they're just like ramrod <laughs> those lipo rods and how they tug and pull and all that to get the tissue and the fat like right in the right places. Like it can be really aggressive. And that's why our bodies are bruised when we come out of those surgery states. Um, so there is trauma done to the body and your brain has not connected yet to being able to, it didn't happen in front of you. You weren't watching it. So then you're left with all of these residuals. Residual is a good word. These residuals left over what happened to you during the surgery that you might not even be consciously aware of. So gentleness is super important when I'm working with people postoperatively because I don't know what their triggers might be, and they may not even know what their triggers might be. And so, you know, just holding space, letting the warmth do its thing, even just quietly, just listening. Have you seen people cry, Ellen? Have you seen people cry? So like you're just doing the laser, not even touching their body, going over their scar, and all of a sudden they just cry and they don't know why they're crying. Yeah. And I don't know why that is. And they may not even know why that is. Yeah. But something about, because there isn't, there is something happening in that area. So whether it's just that their body recognizes an activation, uh, like at the cellular level in that area of their body, that might be enough to like, un, like unleash a little, let loose a little, release a little. Like I have no idea, but it manifests I mean, yeah, like women, sobbing, having like existential crises, 
you know, going through their and and I it's just my job to hold space. Mm. It's not my job to therapize. I'm not there to weigh in or like it's not it's, Yeah, you're do you're just letting them release. Do do what it, their body's wanting to do. I mean, fascia holds on to trauma. That's what it does. And I'll give you a, a quick story. So I went to, I, I call her a body worker because where I live, at least when you say Thai massage, people think that I meant going into a parlor and having a massage. That's not what this is. Like she's a body worker who does a million things, but one thing she specializes in is Thai massage. And people come from all over the country to where I live to learn from her. And so I've had several experiences with her. And so Thai massage, I'm sure you're aware of what it is, but for the listener, you know, many times she's barely touching me. Sometimes she might just be like stretching my arm and having me breathe and turn my head a certain way. She might have me say something as she's pulling on my leg. It's just like, it's different every single time. And I have been very open about my explant story. So I had my implants out. And so I have a scar underneath, like a horizontal scar. I've got like the lollipop scar. So around the areola and then down. Okay. And it, it was from a long time where I wouldn't have let anyone, you know, touch me, even if I thought it would help me in the healing process because it was so painful. So I went to her and after a few sessions, I, I, I said, you know, one thing I haven't told you is I had the surgery and she was like, I can't believe you haven't told me that. And I said, could you do just like a little work on there and just see you know, what you feel and what do you notice? Because I do notice I have a lot of scar tissue. Uh, I should come see you, Ellen. A lot of like big lumps like in my breast that I can just, I was like, what is that? I'm like, oh, it's scar tissue. So anyway, she was bare, I've had lymphatic massages where she's working directly on the scars. This has never happened. This Thai body worker um, with like 30 years experience, she was working on one of my scars and my eyes are closed and I'm laying there. And a minute or two goes by and I open my eyes and she's like, where'd you go? And she knew. And I said, oh my God, what the fuck? And she goes, what happened? And I was like, okay, hold on. I have to like, I just need a minute. I was so overwhelmed by it that I couldn't believe it happened. I, her name is Jill Harmon. Isn't that funny? I was meant to meet her. I mean, one letter different with my name. I said, Jill, I was in the operating room and she's still working. I mean, she goes, mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. She goes, I do understand. I'm like, no, I was in the operating room. I wasn't asleep. I'm laying here awake with my eyes closed. You're working on my scar. I could see the lights. I could hear my doctor. I could hear her talking to the anesthesiologist. I heard one of the nurses laughing. I could hear all the sounds in the operating operating room. I was literally there right when you were touching that one specific spot. And she said, okay, so now, so then she went back to it, nothing. She's like, your scar was holding the memory, and it wasn't a bad memory, of being in surgery. She's like, that is how this works. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> it was crazy, Ellen. Yeah. The interesting thing about working with people postoperatively is that it's such a fun experience. Like, no matter where they are in their emotional journey or, you know, how much they are, I don't want to say well-equipped to process what's happening or integrate the healing, but no matter what it is, no matter where they are, the fact that they're seeing me postoperatively means that they want more. Like they want a better outcome than what they think they could have gotten had they just let their body heal on its own timeline. And so no matter when they come to me, like women can come to me, you know, years after a C-section, it doesn't matter. We're still going to get healing because the laser only interacts with cells that aren't working well. So it'll just bypass cells that are functioning fine. 
But if there are cells that are still damaged or still traumatized or still, you know, having a hard time functioning in the area where we're working on, the photons of light are going to find them and they're going to activate them. And so I just love that people will come to me in different stages of it because I get a clue about who they are and how they ask for the help, you know, also is a really interesting indication. But the fact that they're there at all, to me, I'm like, oh, these people, like this person wants more for themselves. Yes, it's just like you. It's what we were talking about earlier. They're ready for healing, not just wanting healing. And so they respond better. Yeah, it's like it's better patient outcomes all around and better I mean, maybe emotional outcomes. If I could use the bold as to say it. I bet. Okay, so let's get into the science of this. What in the world is this doing? And if someone's listening, I, I know they're going to be like, okay, glad I learned all this. Like, I can't fly to Austin. Like, can and tell <laughs> tell us how it all works? And then how can they find someone who's legit and doing what you're doing and not just, because this is not the same as like my juve light. Right. It's great, yeah. healthy and wonderful. But let's first explain that difference. Like typical red light therapy and what you do is very different. Yeah, I get that question a lot, actually. Like, what's the difference between your laser and like a red light bed or a red light panel that I, you know, lay in or stand in front of? The biggest difference is nanometer wavelength, right? Like the actual light wavelength that penetrates your body. And then the power output. Anything is better than nothing. If you are having surgery or have an injury or whatever, like definitely find a red light panel or a red light bed, go stand in front of it. The penetration is the biggest difference. The power output that I have is anywhere from zero to 74 watts. I'm not saying that like more is better. I'm just saying like that's the, that's the capacity that I have to go up to. And my wavelength is set at a constant 1275 nanometers. So it's a really high tight wavelength. And so those two things together, the variable power output and the wavelength mean that I can actually penetrate the body up to several inches deep. And so, and it can be at a continuous wave too, versus like a pulsed, you know, on and off, which some studies have shown that like a continuous wave, you know, a constant dose will, can yield better penetration and thus better healing at certain depth. But a red light bed or a red light panel, you'll still get benefits from it. You'll get a couple few centimeters of penetration. Okay. So for like a C-section mom, Yes, go find a red light bed to to be in. It will still be overall like beneficial for your body. Go find a restore wellness next to you or you know, a spa that has a panel you can stand in front of. You'll get some incision wound healing benefits and then just like overall mood boosting, dopamine, serotonin, like all of that. But for me, for for what I do in my clinic, it is it's very penetrative and powerful. So even at a lower setting, right? Like if I'm mm-hmm. adjusting it for somebody who needs gentle softness at healing, like and healing combined, um, I'm still getting several inches in, even though it's at a lower power setting. So the benefits of healing the area that's injured is just wildly different. Like I can heal muscle tears that are inoperable or people don't want surgery. Like, MCLs, ACLs, I get a lot of knee injuries, bursitis, inflammation, tendonitis, rotator cuff tears. I mean, any soft tissue. 
Okay, so I know I've seen in some of your Instagram content, I've seen the healing. I, mean, I visually can see the physical transformation. And there was someone who, I, maybe it was an Achilles tendon tear, I don't remember what, but I could see even, I've even seen patients of yours um, show physical changes after one session even. I've seen that before. What I didn't know is that that this could be an alternative to surgery for even like a tear. I did not know that. I thought maybe a minor tear, it could help, but I know you're not guaranteeing, but that's pretty interesting. A lot of people are getting surgery. See, we're, our new businesses, we're opening indoor pickleball facilities and the, the, <laughs> yeah. And people say, Oh yeah, it keeps the orthopedic surgeons, you know, really busy because of the tears. But that, that's interesting that, cause I know people that don't get the surgery and they just, my own brother is a physician and he had a tear playing pickleball. And he never got the surgery. He used nutrition. He used different alternative therapies and physical therapy and it healed perfectly. Side note. So what is your thought on that? I think yes. (laughs) The answer is yes. So what we now know is that Americans in general, and this is really strictly for Americans, we really only absorb about 30% of the nutrients from the food and supplementation that we take in. A lot of us have things like gut inflammation, digestive issues, whatever's going on with our diet, our gut microbiome, and that ability to absorb the things that we really need. It's it's limited to about 30%. So everything you take into your body through your mouth, it's about 30% that's left. That is your body that has to work with and convert into energy to fuel all of the systems of your body, right? Neurological, lymphatic, digestive, hormonal, everything. So the great thing about laser therapy is that if like, once you add an injury on top of that, it's an enormous tax to the body. So like your brother, where was his tear? His knee. Okay. So let's just say he subscribes to the fairly typical American diet, or he has some like gut inflammation or like he's not drinking kimchi juice every day. And so he, you know, like there's some, there's some inflammation or some digestive barriers there. So his, he now has a knee tear that his body has to take that small amount of energy, energy, which around 30% fuel all the systems of the body and also convert and send energy to his knee to heal it specifically. Well, for most people, that's a really big tax. Then like something else suffers, right? Yeah. So what we do with the laser is we donate energy directly to that knee. We're energizing his knee directly. Yeah. So that way his the rest can be used for what it needs to be used for. Yeah. We don't have to wait for his body to make the energy to heal that tear. We're just giving energy to the knee through the light therapy. Like the photons of light are going into the individual cells, tendinocytes that are damaged and converting them and starting to heal them from the inside out. What's really great about this, about light therapy in general, is that it creates and promotes better circulation, vasodilation, microcirculation. The cellular metabolic rate is sped up. So you have like more nutrient absorption inside the individual cells, more nutrient absorption and toxic waste carry out. So like everything is sped up inside the individual cells once the photon penetrates the cell. Is this making sense? Yes, it it actually does make sense. Yeah, so if I'm just shining the light on his knee, his knee is getting everything that it needs to heal that. And if he does 
nutrition and things like that. Great. Super, super wonderful. But often when we go to doctors, it's either surgery or medication. Those are typically the two options that we have. If it's something that can't, that's inoperable, that can't, a surgery can't fix it, or if it's not really going to be helped with medication. So let's just take the example of like a high ankle sprain, which you also see a lot in pickleball. <laughs> so like severe high ankle sprain, somebody rolls their ankle and their, their ankle is like the size of a grapefruit. Okay. What do you do for that? You can't operate on it. It's not, it's not bad enough to operate. And then you can take an NSAID to like temporarily knock down the inflammation, but that actually isn't helping healing the body. The high ankle sprain, like we're actually able to pull the inflammation out and promote healing inside the ankle. So those tears, those micro tears that make up the sprain are healed. They're healing in less than half the time. Like oftentimes a week when somebody might be in a boot or laid up for six to eight weeks. Wow. It's remarkable. So yes, is the answer. (laughs) So when I think about it, I think that everybody who opens a pickleball court, we can talk about this later. Y'all might want to want to think about buying a machine and opening like a little clinic inside pickleball court. That's actually super smart. Let's go back to nowadays. I mean, sadly, I will say sadly, I was a, I'm a former NICU nurse, witnessed a lot of C-sections. C-sections sometimes need to happen for sure. We also know that it's big business and it's convenient, et cetera, et cetera. Women never are told the cascade effect, which is very real thing. First of all, what what leads to the C-section, but also the risk of the C-section. But let's only just right now focus on the mom. Mom has a C-section. It wasn't emergent. She had a great experience. She's five years out. What are some symptoms that she might be experiencing because of the scar tissue and the damage to that area that you could help with that she has no idea is even connected to having a C-section? So oftentimes that will manifest as things like low back pain, like hip flexor tightness. She might have some pelvic floor issues, vaginal dryness, pain during sex, things like that. I always recommend pelvic floor PT to anybody and pelvic floor or physical therapy for anybody who's had a C-section. Like that is going to be a non-negotiable. You need to, you need to go in and see somebody who can help you with that. Is that because you're saying it could manifest in like incontinence or are there other symptoms? Yes. Incontinence, pain during sex, all of the bowel. So one of the things that happens during C-sections is that they, they open you up and they take everything out to be able to get so like oftentimes depending on the surgeon there will actually be like a tray with people's like innards on it while they're removing because they don't necessarily want to risk like you know cutting into your intestines and like making it accidentally so like things are taken out so that they can get to the baby and then they put everything back in and then like organs are sort of mismatched you know it's not exactly in there the way it was so like it there are just things then and then you have the healing. There are just things that happen and the healing takes place. So there are seven layers that actually get cut when you have a C-section. And so all of those seven layers need to heal well. But even if they do heal well, you're still going to have things like fascia that binds, you know, to each other and creates pulling to like other parts. So like women's bladders can get attached via fascia to things, other things that they're not necessarily doing. So like vaginal dryness, incontinence, painful sex, sometimes issues like going to the bathroom, 
low back pain. It's just crazy that you go to a post-op check or you go to your gynecologist a year later and they never even ask about that. It's just, how's your scar look? Great. It's all this, it's it's just that superficial focus of our medical system when some of the things you're you're sharing here, I had no idea, no idea. My daughter just had an emergency C-section four years ago. And I would have never even known that any of that could be connected. Think of how many women are listening right now and they've had a C-section and they have no clue that the issues that they're having are connected to that. They have no idea. Yeah. And two, like even just the superficial layers, like the numbness of your skin, like there are women who like can rub, touch, scratch, whatever, like their belly and they feel nothing. Like it's completely numb. And that's because like nerves have been cut. So then like the nerve connections aren't, haven't healed back properly. So then you don't have sensation. It's just a whole, like you said, a a cascade of things that can happen. And I feel so deeply for women who have C-sections, you know, involuntary, non-emergent or emergent, whichever. I'm super grateful to Western medicine that we have the option to have those surgeries when they're needed. I think that it is wildly inappropriate that we have a higher than 30% C-section rate in this country. I know. All the scheduled C-sections. I mean, don't even get me started. We could have a whole episode. We probably should on we that. Have a whole episode oh that my God. <laughs> and then they're shouted down, you know, these like board certified OB-GYNs are like shouted down that they're saying like, I actually caution my patients not to have C-sections if they can help it. Like birth isn't a disease. It's a natural condition. But a lot of people don't know that obstetricians are actually trained surgeons. And so to a surgeon, every problem looks like a surgery, just like to a carpenter, every problem looks like a hammer and a nail. And so, you know, that's going to be their first line, um, you know, virtually always, if it's breach, if there are any sort of issues, regardless of it, if of, of the interventions that happen to get to that point, you know, even just with starting with the epidural. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, there's a whole cascade effect that causes me to realize I need to do an episode on that. So, okay. I'm even just like starting people on Pitocin. I'm like, you're going to have a C-section. So one thing you know is when I had my explant, you were really pleasantly surprised that not only did I have laser therapy, but it was required. So the surgeon, I'm going to give a big shout out to Dr. Lujane Fang. She is one of the best in the world, F-E-N-G. And uh, she's amazing. And it is required. You have to agree and sign a document that you will have a minimum of three red light laser sessions in her office post-op. So I live four and a half hours from the office and I went back three times to have this because she said, this is why I have such amazing results with my patients. She goes, we do the hyperbaric chamber. We do this, we do that. She goes, but the one that is the most impactful is the red light laser. And I think I even sent you a video and they do it, yeah, three, you have to have a minimum of three sections afterwards. And my healing, it just, it's all I knew. But people who know how big of a surgery I had, mine was five and a half hours. I had, I think, three or four levels of sutures. And because I had the lift, I had the capsulectomy, I had the, the implants out. And then my capsule that my body formed around the implant it was adhered to four of my ribs on the left side, three of my ribs on the right. It was a long major surgery. And my recovery wasn't as bad as people would think. And I do believe that 
part of it was that she did the, um, had us do the laser therapy. The fact that she had you do anything at all is a miracle. And I say this as like somebody who's now owned a clinic for four years and I've seen women in all states, like freshly out of surgery. They're like, I had my surgery on January 27th. How soon can I come to women who are like five, seven years out? And they're like, well, but is it too late? The biggest, biggest gap that I see for women in general, anybody, you know, but like for women, especially in this time and place that we're in is the lack of support that we have. Women who have C-sections, at least if you have plastic surgery, you're going to get some post-op instructions. (laughs) You're going to get at least a piece of paper that says, you know, day one to day four, you know, get up and walk every hour, whatever it is. And those post-op instructions vary by surgeon. But for women with C-sections, they're just, they're kept in the hospital, maybe 24 hours. And then once everything looks good, like your vitals are stable, baby looks good, you know, okay, bye. They're, you're you're going to get kicked out and then sent home to not only like try and manage a major surgery that was very impactful and traumatic that impacted a lot of your organs and then also care for a newborn, which it is it is the thing in our culture that is maybe the thing that hurts my heart the most about birthing is that we have a culture of loneliness and isolation around motherhood. And especially for women post-op, we don't have a culture, like even in the UK, they have midwives, you know, Denmark midwives, like it's just part of their medical culture. The midwives are part of the birthing culture there, regardless of if you birth in the hospital or not. You don't do that. If you have a midwife here, even in Austin, where I live, like, you're considered real crunchy and like way out there if you have a midwife because you're not just going to go to the hospital. But birth is not a single event that takes place over the course of just a few hours. Birth is like the entire constellation of everything that happens for the first 10 months while you're cooking that baby. And then everything postpartum for the next few years. Yeah. When I had that, my surgery, Dr. Lujan Fang had this whole protocol for post-op. And she talked about that, that, you know, she's like, I could just send you out of here and you've got your drains and take your meds and do whatever. But her, her patients do so well because she doesn't look at it that way, you know, because of what you're saying. She has an entire program for your body to heal as best as it can because it is so traumatic. And I noticed also with the red light, I call it red light, but the laser, it really helped with my pain, you know? And she said, she goes, it's of course, because you're taking all that inflammation out. And it's just remarkable. She even said she's had, in the past, it was optional. And she had some patients who wouldn't do it. And so she just saw this pattern. The patients that don't do it have a harder harder recovery. And um, so that's why I'm so glad we're talking about this. So people can ask for that. And if their doctor is not going to provide it, they can seek it out ahead of time for whatever surgery they're having. So let's talk about that. Where can they find someone who's legit? Like it's it's what you would recommend and going to give them the results you've described. Yeah. So the the machine that I have is called the Phoenix Theralase. Unfortunately, one of only a few clinics in the country that has it. But I will say you could do a Google search for laser therapy in your area. And see, even if it's a chiropractic clinic, if you called them and said, Hey, I'm going to be post-operative and, you know, I'd like to come in starting this day, they would probably take you and be cash paid because they, 
you know, are used to seeing that. And laser is really very well documented for wounds. Like lasers love wounds. It one of the things that happens with when the laser light hits a post-operative wound is something called angiogenesis. You as in the humors might know what that is, but for people who don't, angiogenesis is the process of regrowing vasculature. So all of your veins, your your blood vessels, everything that got severed, disconnected from an incision, all those little it's like they grow roots when the laser light hits it. And so the angiogenesis yeah, it promotes revascularization. So all of the pathways, the the blood circulate circulatory pathways, the lymphatic flow pathways reconnect after surgery faster with laser therapy. So that is a huge, huge, huge benefit to doing laser light on your surgical sites afterwards. Because other like healthy pink tissue is healed tissue. So you'll see people with surgery sites and it's kind of this like sort of yellowish pallor. And then after we do a few sessions to really promote the blood circulation, it turns into that really healthy pink tissue. And that is what we want because that means that the blood flow is right. Everything's oxygenated. The cells are getting the nutrients that they need. Yeah, it's just incredible. And one of the reasons why it does actually help with pain, which laser therapy is documented for pain relief too, is because there's a release of nitric oxide from the cells. And so that is actually one of the things that, is sort of an optimization tool for for less pain is the release of NO. Interesting. This has been so helpful. And I'm so glad we got <laughs> into so many other parts of this. Oh my gosh. I know. I love it. This has been really, really helpful. I, I love that we're doing this and I appreciate your time and sharing all of your knowledge about this and your expertise. I love your story. I love your story. I want to make sure they find you on Instagram so they can see exactly like how it works. And because I know a few people are like, yeah, but can it hurt me? Let's, let's answer that before we close. Can it hurt them? There are virtually no side effects or downsides to laser therapy because the cells only, the, the photons of light only interact with cells that are damaged. Cells that make their own energy will just bypass it and the energy is absorbed by cells that need it. So. No, your body will either just use the energy or it won't. But in the meantime, it'll feel like nothing if you have a really low powered machine or it'll just feel like soothing warmth if you're in my clinic. That's it. I love it. Okay, (laughs) so how can they find you? So my Instagram, my website is www.elitelaseraustin.com. E-L-I-T-E-L-A-S-E-R-A-U-S-T-I-N. Dot com or my Instagram is at Elite Laser Austin. And then my personal is at v.ellen.day. All right. Well, we'll link everything up. Thank you so much for this. This was super insightful and helpful. Thank you for having me. I so appreciate the work that you do and the conversations you have. I just, it's so important. It's so impactful. And I just love that you are so curious and that invites your listeners to become aware of things they might not have before just because you like to ask questions you're really good at it oh thank you so much ellen 